Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Worth It podcast. Our leadership gurus, Ryan Dyer and Andy Dorsey, will talk about their tips for maximizing leadership potential, faith, and family, all while raising awareness and funds for children with hearing impairments. Get ready to get focused. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of our Worth It podcast. Today we have an unbelievable guest that we're excited to have, Coach Lewis Preston. Uh, one of my good friends, somebody who uh, will, will go to breakfast with me anytime, give me advice, and just a, a good, solid Christian man who does things right. And I could go through his bio, bio who's sitting here on my desk for a long time. Uh, but the most impressive thing about uh, Coach Preston is that he's a great man, great Christian man, great family man. You know, he's got 17 years of Division One coaching experience. Uh, he's been at Kennesaw State as a head coach. Been at Penn State as, as an assistant basketball coach, University of Florida uh, under Billy Donovan, Notre Dame over, under Mike Bray. The list goes on and on. Uh, the guy's a legend in the, the basketball coaching world, but even more in the leadership world. And that's what we're going to dive in today as uh, coaches started some nonprofits and doing a lot of cool things in our community. And we are just so excited that you're on the show with us today, Coach. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And, uh, it's great uh, to be a part of this, and early happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we, uh, you know, we dive in here on, here on our show with, with Coach Dorsey and, and myself, mm-hmm. we want to mention briefly just uh, if anyone wants to donate uh, in the holiday spirit here over Thanksgiving, we're going to release a special episode uh, on Thursday, so we're, we're going to make it happen quick. You can go to Worth It Podcast slash tiny url so that's tiny url slash worth it podcast to donate we'll put the link uh in the show notes so we're excited coach tell us a little bit about your background uh coaching stops family anything you want to add before we get rolling here well well first of all i'm the 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 proudest thing i'm the father of two daughters uh one is a freshman at DePaul uh university in greencastle indiana and then my youngest is a junior over at north cobb high school uh very proud uh, of the women that they're growing up to be, especially from a leadership standpoint, especially in this day and age of kids and leadership. Um, you know, my background, I have both parents in the home. I'm the second of four boys, uh, BMI grad. Uh, kind of stumbled into basketball. Uh, I didn't play until my senior year in high school. So with that, I didn't really have any bad habits. So walked on at BMI, earned a scholarship my sophomore year and fell in love with the game. Played in Europe for four years uh, after, I gra- you know, after graduating. And that's where I fell in love with coaching. I uh, was over in Europe my last two years in Finland, especially. Came back, worked for a computer firm for about 13 months, got into coaching, started out at Coastal Carolina for two years, was an assistant at the University of Notre Dame with Mike Bray for six years. Uh, Coach Donovan at Florida, I was fortunate to be part of that second national championship team, 06, 07. And then at Penn State, was part of a NIT championship. Uh, my first year at Penn State with Ed DeCellis and then became a head coach at Kennesaw State. And since then, I've uh, moved over to the other side. I actually am an agent uh, for about 21 college basketball coaches at all levels, all divisions and then work with two different nonprofits. One that I co-founded called Athletes to Leaders, and then another one uh, that I sit on the board for with Emmanuel Glaze called Optimized Division. 
Gosh, that's an, a very impressive, uh, you know, resume. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm always intrigued. And what people don't really realize about me is I'm a closet Florida Gator fan. My dad grew up in Brandon, Florida. So, uh, you know, his side of the family were all Gators. And uh, growing up in Georgia, we had to be really quiet about that because we would, uh, we, all the Georgia fans, we take a lot of heat from that. So right. I'm curious, you know, one of my, you know, heroes growing up was Billy Donovan, you know, in mm -hmm. your time at, at Florida. So, um, what's some things that you learned from him? You know, I'm always intrigued about, you know, those, those very successful guys at those next levels and, and maybe a few little takeaways that we could learn from, from his leadership. Well, I, I think one of the things about coach Donovan was his level of preparation was I've never seen anything like it. Um, he prepared like an assistant. Uh, he recruited like an assistant. Uh, he was huge on player development because he was a direct byproduct of it at Providence under uh, Rick Pitino. And guys just, he knew how to get the most out of guys. Um, it's going, this going to sound kind of weird because we haven't worked together in 13 years. I just got done finish, uh, finishing the book Winning by Tim Grover. Uh, who also wrote the book Relentless, and listening uh, to winning, it made me realize, it made me think of Coach Donovan, the level of focus, the level of preparation, the level of sacrifice you have to make uh, to be a champion. And everybody's not cut out uh, for that level. And I think that's what makes him unique. I think that's the reason why he's successful in Chicago, and he started out very successful at Oklahoma City as well. I think one of the <laughs> things you just spoke on, which I've, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever heard, but, you know, that he prepared and coached like an assistant coach. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Um, and so, man, what great advice that, you know, when you, whether, you know, we're, there's a high school coach on here listening or, you know, a college coach or if it's an administrator that, you know, just because you've so, you know, reached the pinnacle or reached the top that you think that you, you still stay humble and you still get in there and work just like everybody else. And, you know, and that's a, Great testament of servant leadership. Exactly. And, you know, even to think about that, one of the best quotes I ever heard as a coach was, you know, uh, good assistants do what the head coach wants them to do. Great assistants stay one step ahead. Uh, I always took pride in that. And, you know, Coach Donovan was on a whole different level. There were, there were a few things that you could get past him, and he asked a lot of questions as well. If you were to scout prior to a game, um, he might ask you a series of 100 to 200 questions. How are we going to guard ball screens? You know, how are we going to guard down screens? How are we going to do this? What's the right personnel? What's the right offensive package to put in? Um, so it was, you You definitely had to be on your A game. And it's kind of simple, uh, looking a little bit at Florida, and I'm going off track a little bit, Andy, so forgive me, but uh, Joe Kim Noah, what would you say is his uh, greatest trait? You know, I sent Coach Dorsey an article over the summer, I believe, or September, where it talked about uh, Sports Illustrated, and they said, look, during that national championship run, he said, I'm not going to be on that cover without my guys. And then right. I believe you and I talked at breakfast uh, about mm -hmm. the, the Hall of Fame stuff coming up. He's like, not, not without my guys. So a little bit about Joe Kim. You know, it, it's interesting because they just had a uh, – they just honored him uh, in Chicago recently. And they actually went back and did about an eight-minute montage of him. And 
the guy was just a winner. He, he didn't care about scoring. He just cared about winning. He would do anything that needed to be done to win. Uh, and he was always about we. It was never about me. Um, I think that was his hardest adjustment going into the probes his first, his first two to three years because he had come from an environment, back-to-back national champions, great teammates. Those guys loved each other. They cared for each other. They told each other the truth. Then you get to the pros, and it's like you got guys in contract years. It's like, dude, I don't care what our record is. I got to go get my 20 or 25. And he just wasn't cut from that cloth. He was, dude, we got to do whatever we need to do to win. And that's the reason why if you followed his career, wherever Tom Thibodeau went as a coach, Joe Kim ended up being on the roster. It's the same way with Derrick Rose. Um, and and I, it says a lot about him because he might arguably have one of the five ugliest shots ever in the history of shooting. But you got to – I would let him shoot that shot a million times for the energy, the effort, the passion, uh, the attention to detail, the sacrifice that he would make for winning. So there's some things you have to trade off. And once again, I trade those off every time. Yeah, that's, that's so good. So good. I, as I look back and I, I think a little bit about what you said, you know, this is a two-part question for you. So, mm-hmm. number one, if you're looking in the rearview mirror a little bit, you've been in the trenches of leadership. Give a little bit of advice for our listeners, like just some, some simple sound advice for leaders, and then transition to what are some habits that have paid, over, paid out for you? You know, I see you at, at Dunkin' Donuts. You're there at 530. I've never beat you there. You're always there with your, your Bible and your your habits and uh, all those things. So two-part question for you. Um, I think the first thing is, you know, in regards to, to, you know, being successful, discipline, organization. I think another thing that really stuck out to me is if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to get in another room. Uh, For all you young coaches out there, do not surround yourself with yes men or women. You need to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth. And would you trust your team with the people that you have around you when you're not there? Uh, those are some things. Um, you know, in regards to, to me, uh, once again, grew up with, with two parents in the home up until I was 18 years old. So, you know, one of the things that my dad took great pride in telling us was you're going to work for everything that you get. Um, We carried his last name. So he took that very seriously. I think the third thing was, and and this is a great quote from Dean Smith, you know, if you make a mistake, admit it, learn from it, forget about it, move on. And uh, I'll probably stay too mired, especially as a head coach in losses, as opposed to moving forward. And it kind of uh, probably halted my progress as a head coach to where as an assistant, I could get over them a little bit easier. Yeah, I love it. Uh, there about uh, looking at things from a different perspective. It's very good. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the, um, the podcast. We're looking at, if you would, guys, it's tinyurl.com slash worth it podcast. tinyurl.com slash worth it podcast. Uh, if you want to donate to to help kiddos with hearing aids uh, here at this season. So we're uh, 
we're going to dive right back into this episode, but we did want to shout that out here in the middle. Coach, people that are not in coaching, they just, you know, it's, it's like, it's a profession like any other, you know, it's, um, you know, I always said, you know, we don't clock in, we don't clock out. Uh, <clears throat> it's weekdays, it's weeknights, it's um, talking to one of your players at two o'clock in the morning when they're, they're having issues. Um, what, what hardships have you had to endure um, throughout your coaching career and, and how did you handle it and how did you learn from it? Um, I think some of the hardships was knowing when you needed to make a move versus knowing when you needed to stay put. Um, I think another thing is, is it, it has a tendency to be hard on your families. And the reason is because you're basically raising somebody else's kids. So you're, you're literally spending more time with your team than you are with your own family. So you have to have that strong family structure there. Uh, one of my biggest hardships was balance. You know, it was, I mean, it was nothing to go 18 hours a day, you know, sleep for four hours and get back up and do it again, try to get a workout in and all that. Um, as I've gotten, as I transitioned away from the game and even in my role with the BDS agency right now, I talked to the guys about having balance, you know, I'm I wanted to, I talk about what were the positive effects of the pandemic for our coaches. You know, for a lot of them, they got a chance to watch their kids grow for 18, 18, 20 months. You know, they got a chance to, you know, go on vacations. They got a chance to be at different, you know, events that were allowed as opposed to having to sacrifice uh, being on the road and doing some other things while their kids were actually playing their respective sports. So balance is something that, you know, was a hardship that starting to get better at. And I'm saying that now, even being out of it, you know, always continuing to try to find balance. Yeah, I remember even as a, an assistant principal athletic director, obviously people get used to seeing us around the school so much. Mm -hmm. um, just a kind of funny tidbit is the, past two Saturdays, I've had teachers call me at eight o'clock on Saturday morning, want me to let them in the back door um, saying, hey, they forgot something in their classroom. And I'm like, I'm, I'm at home. And they're like, oh, what are you doing at home? So it's uh, that, that balance is definitely very, very important. And uh, we all have to do a good job of being able to um, try to turn it off when we get home and, and being intentional with our families and I know Ryan and I talk about that all the time about just the importance of a our, our family supporting and what we're doing because we've both been coaches and now both athletic directors and um, and then being able to to be intentional with with those interactions with our family when we're home and we're not looking at our phones or sending out scores on Twitter or something like that. So um, so very very good information. Now teacher um, did call you Andy and you did answer the phone and help her out on the golf course though. So we'll, that is true. We'll that is true. That, yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell them I was on the golf yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, coach, in, in, in your career, uh, mm -hmm. name a coach or a leader that's had the greatest impact on you. I'm, I'm always intrigued by that on, you know, those people. And, and I know sometimes it's really hard to just say, hey, this was this one person. But just first person that came to mind. Pete Strickland. Um, he – he didn't recruit me to VMI. We actually came into VMI at the same time. But what was phenomenal about Coach Strickland was 
he saw me as this blank canvas, you know, played one year of high school ball. So I didn't really have bad habits. So however you taught me, I was going to take and, uh, you know, turn around and do it on the floor. So before this 20 hour rule that they have now, we used to go into the gym an hour, hour and a half before practice and do all individual skill work. Then I would practice, you know, so I'd be in the gym for like four and a half, you know, four to four and a half hours. But it was that time and during that time, that sweat equity that Coach Strickland put in that I was able to become the, the player that I was able to become at VMI. And it, it's, it's funny because my junior year, it, two important things that, that he did for me. One was a no and one was a yes. The no was my junior year, he left to go to Old Dominion with Oliver Pinnell. And I was going to transfer. I wanted to transfer. I'm like, Coach, I got to go with you because I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it without you. And he's like, Lewis, you've done the hard work. There's light at the end of the tunnel at BMI. You know, you got to stay the course. And he would not let me transfer. Uh, I think about that now, especially in the day and age of the transfer portal, maybe some of the most sound advice I've ever received as a player. Fast forward it, um, about what, 10, 12 years later, uh, he turns around and gives me my first coaching job when he became the head coach at Coastal Carolina. So what he saw in me as a player, he wanted he wanted me to, you know, once again, pay it forward to the next generation of player. And I hope I was able to do that a fraction of what he had done for me. So Pete Strickland, I, I love him like a second. He's my second father. Um, you know, now, you know, I rely on him a lot more now since my dad has passed on. But I mean, Coach Strickland's phenomenal. And it's funny, he got back into high school coaching this year. He's the head coach at the Matha the mouth of Catholic up in Hyattsville, Maryland. So I'm following him, uh, wishing him continued success. Yeah, the math is about as uh, big as they get. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, we could, we could really settle in on this one for a while, but you know, thinking back to, you know, looking back at coach Strickland, first of all, we, I think we all need those people. We've had those people who believe in us when no one else did, even through our, our weaknesses, and I just think that's so cool that you you pointed him out. Uh, transitioning to something that, that Andy kind of hit on earlier, you know, you were the head coach at Kennesaw State, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a legend in that area, did a great job. You know, when, when things kind of ended there, and you and I have talked about this, but it's so powerful for our listeners, you decided to stay in the community, yeah. stay with your family and stay here. Uh, we have a great community here in Ackworth. How has that decision impacted you and your family? And most importantly, why did you do that? Uh, you know, at the point in time, you know, Ryan and Andy, I have moved my family six times. And I didn't like how it ended at Kennesaw State. But my girls were, you know, both in junior high about to start high school. And I know that is a very pivotal age uh, for, for, for boys and girls. And so, you know, staying put, I decided to make the adjustment and let, let the girls continue to, to grow and develop uh, with tennis, uh, with their friends. They, they had gotten into a groove. Uh, 
And I didn't want to take and disrupt that. And to be honest with you, I'm very fortunate because both of my daughters have, have done very well in school. Um, they've taken on leadership roles with their respective teams. And, and I got a tip. I, I really do have to tip uh, my, my hat to my wife in regards to that because through the midst of all that, she continued to be a support system huge support system there from a community standpoint um it made sense to stay uh, some great people in the community we all know like mike lynch i love that man to death you know uh you know marlon longacre you know ike reichard a um, bunch of different people in the community uh another part brenda stouffer was really good for me randy stewart both of them were at kennesaw state uh, at that point in time when I was there and just kept those friendships. And, and I think that's very important. Now, what was hard for me was I had a very hard time accepting the, the, the name coach when I wasn't coaching anymore. It took me about three years. And it was finally Mike Lynch who told me, he said, Lewis, it's not about how you finished. It is about what you did throughout the process. So, uh, I, I appreciate still being called coach, but also at the same time, you know, to, to tell people like it wasn't easy. This is, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for a long time to, to get out of that. Um, you kind of get out of the rat race and you get out of it unexpectedly and you think you're able to get back in and it's a little bit harder than you, 